Hi and welcome to You, Me and BPD. My name is Sean Keyes and I have Borderline Personality Disorder. And every week I'm going to talk about something relating to mental health. And hopefully you'll gain some knowledge from it. So let's go. Last week I said I'd talk about hypersensitive people. And I'm a hypersensitive person. You know, all my life I've been hypersensitive. People that are hypersensitive, they look at the world a little bit more differently than anyone else. When I was a child, uh, you know, it was why would you, why, why are you so upset about this? Why do, you, why do you get upset about these things? And the reason being is when you're a child and you get so upset about things is, is because your brain thinks an awful lot more that you can't articulate as an adult. So as an adult, I can say as a child, I would have thought deeply about things. If an animal was hurt on the TV, I would have experienced the pain of the animal in my mind. I was able to, I was able to go through scene by scene and, and understand that that animal would have been in severe pain. And this absolutely distraught me as a child because it's like as if I could feel every bite that the animal was feeling when the other animal was eating it. And I couldn't get my head around it. I really couldn't get my head around it. And this is... This is the difference in person who's hypersensitive and who's not. Hypersensitive people, they think a lot more. They feel a lot more. Like my feelings would be absolutely through the roof. I would feel pain and I can only compare it and I've said this before. I, can f- I would feel pain and hurt, sorrow, sadness. It would be no different than the pain of somebody dying belong to you. And I feel happiness the same as the day I got married. And there is no in-between. And this is the difference between a hypersensitive person and a neurotypical person. They're just not the same. They're absolutely not the same. We feel things so much greater than the other person that we're easily hurt. And this is a big problem with hypersensitive people. People that aren't as easily hurt but say, what's wrong with you? You know, get over it. And sure, if we could get over it, we would get over it. But the fact is, we can't. We're different. You know, it's like saying to a worm, I mean, sure, what's wrong with you? Just stay out in the sun. But it can't stay out in the sun or it'll dry up and die. It just can't. There's certain things people can do, certain things they can't do. And when you hear from neurotypical people, sure, just get over it. That's the first thing we would have thought of. How do I get over this? There's no way would we leave it. There's no way would we leave it for long periods of time and suffer. We wouldn't... Who in their right mind would want to suffer for that duration of time? The fact is, it takes us a long time to get over stuff. If I get a thought and I'm 42 years of age, even today, and I've been through over 300 hours of therapy, I've, I've consumed over 400 books at this stage, all researching how the mind works and how the body works and on food and interactions between life and everyone else, I still get hurt. If something happens, I still have to process it. I still have to let it through my brain and it just goes through the brain and it does its own thing. There is no putting it to the back of your mind because the distance between the back of my mind and a neurotypical's mind is huge. I've said this before as well. I mean, you know, if someone, if you want to go distance, someone would say from Dublin to Liverpool is their thought. But my thoughts will go from 
Dublin to New Zealand, which is all the way around the world. So it's different. And it has to process that way. And it's never not. It's, it has to look at it, see what's, what it is, why it's doing this, what's going on. So a hypersensitive person, or a highly sensitive person, as it's known in the scientific terms, we have a different way of thinking. There's nothing wrong with us. I always stress this, that there's nothing wrong with us. You have people there that are trying to mould us into their way of thinking when our brains aren't wired that way. You just can't mould us in. But can you do something about it? I believe you can. But what it is, is we have a different way of thinking. We think differently than most other people. We're so easily hurt, as I said before, or easily hurt. Because our stimulation is different. We get stimulated so quickly. And if you say something to us, it's why would you have said that? What was the reasons behind you said that? What was your tone like? What was your body posture like? What does that mean to you? Whereas to other people, they'd be like, ah, yeah, you said something, I didn't like it. I'm getting on with my day. But because we need to process everything, it gets processed. This is another reason why we suffer a lot, is because we're, because we take in information constantly. We constantly take in information and we process all that information. Nothing gets uh, away. Nothing gets away. So every piece of information has to be processed. A neurotypical person, now I understand, can actually decide. They can say, well, I'm not listening to that. And put it to one side. I'll take in this information, but I'm ignoring this. So they have an ability in their brain that they can actually push information to one side if it's not for them or if they don't like it and get on with their day. Whereas hypersensitive people have to process all the information. So everything has to be looked at. Everything has to be filed and put away. Every tab that opens up on the computer has to be looked at. So every pop-up on a computer has to be looked at in the brain. Why did it pop up? What's the reasons behind the pop-up? That's another thing that highly sensitive people have. They have an awful lot of meaning and reason for life. Why is this this way? Why is this this way? I, I even questioned why was concrete called concrete at one stage. And my brain was like, why is concrete called concrete? I still don't know. I don't know. Either way, we think like this. It's, why is this this? Why is that that? Why is this this? Other people, neurotypical people, they generally don't. They get up, they go to work, they go home. End of day. And that's great. That's a great way to be. But a highly sensitive person doesn't. They're constantly scanning their environment. They're constantly looking. I mean, you know, a highly sensitive person is looking for tiny little cues when they're talking to you. They're not even listening fully. They're looking at your body language. The words are meaningless because a highly sensitive person, just like a baby, can tell intentions. Babies can tell intentions. They can tell. A baby, scientifically proven, can tell the intent of a human being. That's why they're afraid of some human beings and they're not so afraid of others because the human being can vibrate, as we do, intentions. And babies can pick up on intentions. Highly sensitive people who think they're, some of them think that they're connected to the one source, know 
the part of their brain that normally gets numbed down as they become adults has to numb down. See, as adults, we do depend on uh, talking, you know, language. But babies don't. Babies can't, babies can't depend on language. They simply can't. I mean, a baby born into the planet doesn't come with the English dictionary. It doesn't come with the French dictionary, the Mandarin dictionary. It doesn't come with any dictionary. So they can't depend on what you're saying to them because what you're saying to them means nothing. So what do they have? They have feelings. They have a highly sensitive nervous system that picks up on your intention. Now, highly sensitive people still have that, which is why the majority of them kind of do medium and they'll connect to the planet and they're spiritual and all this sort of stuff. I don't care about that stuff. Either way. Science. I'm interested in science. But is there science behind it? 100%. These people that are mediums and connecting to the planet and spiritual, that part of their brain, when they were children, didn't develop. They still have it, which is a wonderful gift for some and a nightmare for others. This is why they're able to connect with you. This is why they're able to vibrate with you. This is why they're able to actually, oh my God, they were able to tell me stuff. It's because they have, that part of the brain is still working for them. Neurotypical people, that part of the brain is numbed down. That's why they depend on language. The most highly sensitive people on the planet can pick up of your vibrations. They can pick up of your intentions. And they receive that as messages, just like children. You walk up to a child and you're in good form, they'll smile. You're in bad form, they'll cry. Why? Because they can pick up on your intention. They can pick up on your energy. Whatever way you want to look at it. This is what highly sensitive people are. They're energy people. They'll pick up on energy. It's the energy of the room. And I mean, most people can pick up on energy. You know, they just forget that they can. If you ask anybody, whether it's neurotypical or highly sensitive person, everyone on the planet can say, I walked into a room and you could cut the tension with a knife. They just walked into a room. How could they cut the tension with a knife? Because they picked up on the tension. You see, people can pick up on that. They never think twice that that's an intuitional thing that they were born with. They even say it without thinking, my God, how could I pick up on the tension? Nothing was said. You could just pick up on the tension. How come they can do this? They don't think about this. But it's a fact. It's science. Highly sensitive people can pick up on higher frequencies, higher emotions, higher vibrations. That's all it is. It's not like eerie, fairy or whatever. It's, a, it's basically these people are highly sensitive. They pick up on subtle vibrations because the part of their brain didn't numb down. That's all it is. <coughs> Excuse me. So... The difference between a highly sensitive person then and a neurotypical person is we pick up an awful lot more on vibrations. We pick up on whether that little subtle movement you made was negative or positive. We're scanning to see what, what was that. And even if you're saying you're in good form, your body language will tell us differently. And we pick up on that. And then unfortunately, for most of us, 
we absorb your emotions, which is a nightmare. And I can tell you that from personal experience. It's an absolute nightmare. It's, it's, yeah, it's one of the biggest nightmares there is, is when you actually go into a room and you pick up on people's emotions and you walk out of the room and you don't know why you're sad because you went in happy and you have no idea and all of a sudden you think, oh God, this is horrible. What's life all about? And you're there going, what's wrong with me? I was happy. Not realising that because you're so sensitive, whatever's in that room, you pick up on. You just pick up on it and it, it, you absorb it in and it's a nightmare. You're like a sponge. And this is another problem that people, the hypersensitive people have is that we absorb other people's energies, emotions, vibrations, whatever way you want to word it. We pick up on that. And unlike neurotypical people, <coughs> excuse me, who are numb down, all of them people's emotions go into us. And we get a mismatch of emotions. I, I love concerts. I absolutely love going to a concert. You're getting the one vibration and it's fantastic. And I'm wrecked the next day. And the day after that, I'm exhausted. And I never understood why I was exhausted for years going, what's the problem? I keep going to these concerts. I love the concert. I'm not going to a concert that I don't like. Everyone is there. They're all going to the one place. Nobody is, nobody is thinking they're going to be at a different gig. Everyone is delighted. And I'm exhausted. I'm not realizing. Even positive energy exhausts people like us. Being around people absolutely exhausts me as a person. If it's good people, I'm exhausted. If it's people that are negative, I'm really exhausted. But being around people exhausts me. At the end of the day, you can run electricity through a wire and it'll take it. If you send a surge of more electricity, which is positive, you'll blow the wire. Because it's not able for it. And we're no different. Being around people is exhausting. It's, I'm drained. Come the evening time, I'm drained. When I get home, I'm drained. I have no energy left. You know, I'm around people. Sometimes during the day, I'm working during the day, but I'm around. And you get exhausted, you know. And these are the little things as well about being hypersensitive. Is to, you know, I can waffle on about being hypersensitive, and I suppose I'm kind of hoping people that aren't hypersensitive are listening. And the people that are hypersensitive, they understand anyway, they live it. But for those that don't understand it, there's reasons why we get exhausted. There's reasons why we get so easily upset. It's because everything is ramped up. Everything is ramped up. I mean, I remember talking to my brother once and he was, you know, we're very different. My brother and myself are very different. He's very neurotypical, logical, looks at life in a very logical way. I'm more hypersensitive. And I remember he said, You're like, you know, if I called you a name, you'd be thinking about it for days. And I says, yeah. And he goes, if you called me that same name, i just go, well, I'm getting on with my life. And I, he goes, but you would ravel that in your head for days. And I says, yeah, I would ravel in my head for days, trying to understand why would you say it. And he was amazed. I'll never forget that particular conversation. He was amazed at the fact that that's how much you hang on to stuff. The thing is, we don't hang on to stuff. We process stuff. If you could let go 
why wouldn't you let go of it? Anyone in their right mind, if you want to call it that, would let go. They'd be like, meh, I'm, not, I'm too busy. But we process. We have to process everything. One of the reasons people that are highly sensitive are very creative. Can't have a creative mind if you can't process. Can't have a creative mind unless you look at every avenue. People that are creative are generally hypersensitive people. Double-edged sword. Can't have it everywhere, you know? So, like... <coughs> excuse me. This is another reason we're prone to outbursts. We explode. People are like, oh, my God. What's wrong with you? You know, I only said this tiny little thing. But that tiny little thing is a tiny little thing to you. I mean, you know, a tiny little rock will still kill an ant. And even though it's a tiny little rock, it'll kill an ant. Because it's huge to the ant. And some things are huge to us. We've, yeah, again, you look at people who are highly sensitive, very dramatic people, very dramatic, very out there, very dramatic, very, oh my God. You know, why? Because everything is dramatic to us. It's very much like that toddler. It's, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's like your toddler or you're coming into your teenage years when... You're in the major oh my god zones of life. You know, neurotypical people can remember when they were teenagers and everything was oh my god. And maybe not so much as toddlers, but yeah, we, we haven't developed beyond that, our brains. doesn't mean we're not. There's anything wrong in a sense. Again, it's just the way we are. It's one of the reasons we do outburst because what's tiny to you is not so tiny to us. That little comment you might have just made is huge to us. We might say the same comment back, and generally we do. We're not, we're not exactly Mother Teresa people, you know? Let's call a spade a spade. We might say the same comment back. It might not be as big to you. It's huge to us. We get hurt so easily because of these comments, you know? And because of all of this, we tend to get upset more, wonder why life is doing this to us, and all of these things that it can drain you as a person, which is, you know, if you don't watch yourself, if you actually don't watch yourself as a person, and you're highly sensitive, you can get tripped all the way down into a very, very bad low state of mind. And a very bad low state of mind is where suicide comes from. You know, the mind will only try and get rid of itself when it sees no other options. That's what the mind does. The mind doesn't wake up and go, hey, I think I'll kill myself today. It doesn't do that. It wakes up as a problem solver and it says, can I get through today? If it can, brilliant. But each day it can't get through, each day it can't problem solve, then you're going into suicide. Eventually it, it and this is the one thing I say about suicide as well, and I'm kind of tripping from hypersensitive people to suicide, but at the end of the day, people that are hypersensitive tend to kill themselves. You know? That's a fact of life. So, <coughs> excuse me. When you see no way out, you will end your life. That's how the mind works. It, it's not because it ends its life because it's feeling great or fantastic. When it sees no way out, no other way. And at that stage, it has exhausted many, many avenues, depending on how that person feels about themselves. Because most people that are hypersensitive, they have this feeling of emptiness in them. If 
you ask anyone to type or sense it, there's just emptiness. There's nothing in there. You know, you could buy whatever you want. And I used to buy and buy and buy. I get my five minutes of pleasure from buying something and then I'd feel empty again. So I bought more and I felt great for the other five minutes and, and then I felt empty again. Because you're never happy. You're never happy with anything because you see the problem is as all the greats said, Jesus, the Buddha, Krishna, whoever, doesn't matter. They're just symbols, in my opinion. Happiness comes from inside. Unless you're happy inside, you can't be happy outside. And happiness comes from a feeling of contentment that you are enough. But the problem with hypersensitive people is they don't feel like they're enough. They always feel like they're just not good enough. Because why? Because they're so overwhelmed all the time. They're so overwhelmed with life. They don't feel good enough as workers. They could have been better as a worker. They don't feel good enough that they haven't achieved what they wanted to achieve because Tommy down the road has achieved more. And they'll compare themselves, which is wrong in its own way. But they don't feel like they're good enough. They're always just looking at themselves going, if I could be better, I would be happy. And they get to that better stage of life and they turn around and they're not happy. And they feel miserable then because they thought that that was the peak. That was the summit. Not realising there is no peak or summit. Happiness comes from hard work, in my opinion. You have to work hard at being happy. But because they have that feeling of emptiness, that feeling of absolute despair, this can lead to suicide. Who wants to live when you feel that empty? Who wants to live when there's nothing to live for? You know, it's detrimental to people. It's absolutely a nightmare for everyone else because anyone that suicides, and I can say this with 100%, anyone that suicides, their pain spreads outward to everyone else that they love. And those that are closest to them get the most amount of pain and it just ripples outward. And that pain is with them forever. You know, that's 100%. People that suicide, they're in too much pain, but that pain just ripples. Their pain, their pain goes when they die. But the pain of what they lived with stays with the closest ones they love forever. It never goes. Absolutely. Never does. So... This is why highly sensitive people do suicide, is because they feel empty. They feel absolutely like there's nothing left to live for. You know, I remember once I was asked years ago when I had my own business. And I had my own business and it was, you know, I had bought two homes at that stage and I had the business and it was doing well and I was making money and I had a brand new Jeep. I remember somebody said to me, you know, if I had all you had, I would be happy. And I said to them, but what I have comes with the head. You know, I only have what I have because of the mind I have. Would you take the mind also? And he said, not in a million years. I know you too well. I said, but there you go. I've only achieved this because of my mindset. But it comes with the mind. And it was another, it was another conversation, I remember, that'll stick with me forever. You see... Happiness doesn't come from having things. If it did, 
all the rock stars, Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, they'd be all happy. Actually, Amy Winehouse and Kurt Cobain, when I think about it, being a highly sensitive person and, and you know, I mean, unfortunately for them, their love of music is, is the killing thing because you love something so much, but then you're around people. And, you know, even like myself, I don't like the limelight. I love to talk. I'll talk all day. I love to talk. I'll talk on the phone, maybe. But I actually don't like the whole, you know, limelight. And there you go, highly sensitive people. They can't handle being around people. And unfortunately, these people become rock stars, which just goes against the grain. It's, they love what they're doing, but then they have to be around people. They generally don't like it, you know, from my experience. So with that feeling of emptiness and suicide, this is, in my opinion, why, why, why people suicide. It's, it's that horrible feeling of emptiness. But how do you... Get out of that. How do you absolutely get out of that feeling of emptiness? You know, I'm talking a lot about what happens and, you know, tick, tick, tick on the box. This is what people do. But how do you get out of that? From my experience, how I got out of the feeling of emptiness, I, I don't have an empty feeling anymore. I used to have an empty feeling. Um, am I still easily hurt? 100%. All the time. Do I get over it quicker than any time before? 100%. It could take me days before. Now I allow the process. Before, when I was hurt, I didn't allow the process. If someone hurt my feelings, I actually tried to stop the hurt. I didn't want the feeling because it's, it's a very painful hurt. It's, it's the equivalent of pouring salt over a, a, an open wound. That's the equivalent of the hurt. It's, it's very badly hurt. And of course you're going to react in a, in a pushing, pushing it away. Today, when I get hurt, it really hurts still. Definitely it's like salt on an open wound. But I accept it. I go, okay, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. And I process it and go, what happened? Why am I hurt? Why did they say these things? What type of humour are they in? Did they have a good night? Did they not have a good night? Did they have a good day or not a good day? What background are they coming from? What happened to them? So I'm able to look at their life and go, well, why are they doing it? Instead of, well, I'm hurt. Of course I'm hurt. Maybe something they said I found hurtful. But now I'm able to look at it and empathise and go, well, you know, where are they coming from as a person? Maybe they're hurt. People that are hurt tend to hurt, you know? So I get over it that bit quicker. I still process it. I still process because I stopped trying to stop my brain processing. My brain likes to process. So I'll process it. I'll sit with it. Every evening I'll sit down with myself and I'll reflect. It's one of the things I say I do. You know, eat well, fruit, nuts, seeds and fibre, whatever, vegetables, sleep, small bit of exercise and reflection. These, these are the four things I do with my life. These is, this is how simple my life is. But I'll sit with myself in the evening time and I'll reflect over what happened that day. I'll reflect over that smart comment or the snide remark. And I'll try and see where are they coming from? What's their purpose in doing these things? And I'll try and figure it out. You know. So do I process? I still process. But I'm not as hurt. I get over the hurt a little bit quicker. So I do. I don't have a feeling of emptiness anymore. The reason I don't have a feeling of emptiness anymore is because 
personally, I was trying to materialistically fill in a void in my life. I was trying to fill this void of material. So if I had these things, I'd feel happy. And then I realized as I got older that they didn't fill the void. They gave me five minutes of pleasure. And that was it. And it was very expensive. Now I simplify my life. I sat with my mind once and I said, what do you want? What exactly do you want? What is it that you want? What is it that you want to a life? And my mind went, I want to go to the cinema. That's as simple as it got for me. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to go to the cinema. I said, great. What else do you want? I want to go to concerts. Great. What else? What else? I like my sweets. Great. Can I have too many of them, but what else? I like my sweets, I like my cinema, I like my concerts. Good. What else? Playing with the kids sometimes. You know. What else? And that was it. That's grand. What else? Nothing more? I keep asking. I kept asking. Anything else? You know, spend some time with my wife every night. Good. What else? You know. So, these are the questions I asked. You know. Listen to your mind. Ask it what it wants. It might want to go on a holiday. It might want that. My mind likes the simple things. And grand. If it wants to go on a holiday, we'd talk again. right? But your mind is there to tell you what it wants. If you stop pushing it away. Stop pushing it away. So when I ask my mind, right, these are the things you want, these are the things that give you pleasure. I like going to the cinema. I go on my own because I'm quite able to watch a movie on my own and listen to it on my own. I don't need anyone else's ears or eyes. And I enjoy that. For me, I enjoy that. So I do that when it was open. When I gave my mind what it wanted, there was conditions. Well, if you want all these things, well, then you have to do bits around the house and you have to mind the kids and look after things and make sure you go to work and blah, blah, blah. There's always a to and fro. And that's the way the mind works. It's always a pull and a push. So when I got all these things, my mind then settled. And now every day, if I'm being honest, I sit with my mind and go, what do you want? What do you want today? Because that's what it does. Your mind wants. You know, there's a... You have these great, um, the Buddha, you know, the Buddha from um, Buddhism. Or, you know, get rid of your wants. But sure, you're getting rid of a part of the mind that is the mind. You won't suffer if you don't want. He's very true. You won't suffer if you don't want. But you also won't gain anything in life. As in, you won't gain the things that you enjoy. I enjoy going to the cinema. So, yes, of course, I'm going to want to go. But instead of trying to get rid of my wants... I just sat with my brain and said, what do you want? What is it that you... My, my brain, I now respect. In a sense of, I, I know it's all me. But at the end of the day, I'm not thinking to breed. I'm not thinking to beat my heart. I'm not thinking to, you know, blink. The brain does all that. And, you know, all these things the brain does in the background. Filter my food. You know, kidneys filtering the water. The brain does all these things. Absolutely does a great job of it. And for me, it's respectful to go to my brain and go, hey, th thanks very much for doing all you did today. Blinking and breathing and beating my own heart. What do you want? You know, that's a, I, I find that respectful. It might be mental. I find that respectful. 
I find it respectful to actually go into your own mind and say, hey, thanks for doing everything you've done today. Driving a car, you don't have to think about it after a while. It does it for you. Writing, don't have to think about it. I spray cars. I actually don't think anymore when I'm spraying cars. I don't even think about it. I just let my mind do what it's done. It's done it over four million times in 25 years. So, yeah, leave it all. Let it do its own thing. But to be grateful for that. And then to acknowledge it. You know, to sit down and acknowledge it. Hey, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in, you know, any religion. But you can use, in my opinion, the symbols of religion. You can sit down in the evening time and thank God. Thank Jesus. Thank the Buddha. Thank whoever. It doesn't matter. When I'm thanking my brain, the same acknowledgement I'm doing is the same acknowledgement that someone will do for God or Jesus or the Buddha. It's the same acknowledgement. You're sitting down and you're giving thanks. You're being grateful. Thanks very much for that too. You woke up every day. Be grateful. Thanks. You know, someday you won't. So, when you're grateful for these little things, just like in the Bible, not being funny when I say this, if you look closely at the Bible and I've read it, there's always an offering. There's always something to offer. Hey, thank you for this. And in return, I'm going to offer this. So I did offer. I asked my brain, what do you want? Thankfully, it's at the cinema, not a world trip. <laughs> cost me a fortune. So I did ask, what do you want? What do you want? And it's not like, what do you want? Like, oh, I want to spend time with my kids first. I said I wanted the cinema first. I don't feel bad about that. Listen to your brain. You know, if you want the cinema first, go for the cinema first. Don't feel bad about how your brain decides. Whatever your brain decides is exactly what it wants. You know, I've been going to the cinema before I had kids. Of course it's going to go this first. So it gives me pleasure. I go on my own. So, yeah. Listen to your brain. What do you want? And then do that. Can you do it? If your brain wants to go on a holiday, see, can you compromise that? How can you go on that holiday? And over time, this is how my emptiness went away. Because I simply sit with my brain every evening and say, Hey, how are you doing? What's the story? Did you get hurt today? And I listen to my brain. My brain will go, hey, I wasn't happy with this. Okay, let's talk about it. I'm the adult. Let's hash it out. Well, I didn't like the way that person's tone was. Generally, with us, it's tone. Tones are very, very detrimental to people who are hypersensitive. I didn't like their tone. Okay, but we're distressed. Yeah, okay. I'm sure they might be having a bad day too. Hash it out. Hash it out with your brain. Give your brain that five minutes to actually check in with you. And go, I wasn't happy with this today. What do you think? If you go, oh, I wasn't happy either. Well, then the two of you are going to kick off, aren't you? And you're going to get upset. But as the adult, you need to look at your brain and go, right, okay, there was a tone. I wasn't too keen on it. Why do you think that happened? They might have been having a bad day. Were they stressed? Maybe. Were they under pressure? Maybe. Sometimes when people are under pressure, they raise their tone, you know? And these are the things that are important. For me, check in with yourself on a daily basis. Ask yourself, how are you doing? What do you want? What offering can you make? If you want, if you call it an offering, it doesn't matter. You know, Jesus, God, in the Bible, was 
pissed off because humans kept going against them, partying, drinking too much, just going against the principles that he had set out for them. He decided to ransom his only child. And that's the way it works. I'm not happy, but if you do this for me, then I'll be okay. So he did. He ransomed his son. That's how it works. The mind then settles. That's a very large way of saying how the mind can be settled. I'm not saying go off and kill anyone. God literally killed a part of himself. <coughs> Excuse me. In my belief. If the story is correct. That's what he did. He said, I'm not happy with this. So he ransomed himself. And, you know, so the mind, from what I gather that is, the mind always wants a ransom. It always wants to be settled if it's upset. You know, if you look at children, they're upset and you throw them in a piece of chocolate. They're not upset anymore. <laughs> the mind has been settled. The ransom has been paid. That's how the mind works. You settle the mind, you know. The mind wants something when it's upset. And when you realise this, that the mind wants something when it's upset, pay the ransom. For me, as I said, if I will watch a film. For me, that's what works. Watch a film. Once I get to watch the film, I'll, you know, I'll cook and I'll clean and I'll do everything that I do around the house. And I'm not the only one who does that around the house, but at the same token, I do my bit. But I have to get my film. No film, no cleaning. That's the ransom. But I understand that. So I make sure I pay the ransom. I make sure I pay the due. And that way my mind settles. It doesn't mind doing the other bits then. Because it gets what it wants. That's a big thing with people. Give it what it wants. Once you give it what it wants, then you do the other. I'll do this if you do this. And that's how people work. The mind is no different. If you do this, I'll do this. So the thing about it is, is that empty feeling then left me because... I check in with myself on a daily basis and ask genuine questions like, how are you? How's things? Did that upset you today? And I talk to my mind as if it's a five-year-old. Literally do. I'm the adult. I do not go down to that five-year-old level. It's not a five-year-old to a five-year-old. It's a 42-year-old to a five-year-old. And I will talk to my mind like a 42-year-old as an adult. My five-year-old mind wants to burst and bash and kill and course does, like all five-year-olds. My 42-year-old mind has to bring in a bit of logic and go, well, that's not really appropriate, is it? You could do that, but that's not appropriate. So that's the way my mind settled. That's the way my, uh, my body settled. And that's the way that feeling of emptiness left me. It's because it's not that I was feeling empty. It's that I wasn't acknowledging my mind. I kept trying to push my mind away. I kept trying to force it down. And that's not really appropriate. You're trying to push down the part of your uh, body that does most of the work for you. If you look at anybody that does most of the work and they're not appreciated, they suffer. And the mind, the brain, whatever way you want to call it, it does most of the work for you. And every time it asks a question, you push it away. Everyone would suffer if they were treated like this. If you've got a human being and they've worked all day and worked tirelessly hard for you and they've done as much as they could possibly do and if you look closely enough, 
the mind works 24-7 for you. It doesn't stop breathing at night when you tip off to sleep. It keeps you going. It doesn't stop beating your heart when you go out to sleep. You're not even aware you're asleep. You don't. You don't have no consciousness that you're asleep. You just wake up. You don't know where you are. The mind kept going all night while you were asleep. And do we respect it? No. If that was another human being working as hard for us as the mind does, and we disrespected it by pushing it away every time it asked us a question, it would suffer. They would suffer. But because it's our own mind, we think we can push it away and push it down. And that's disrespectful. And I figured that out. Be a bit respectful towards your own mind. Sit with it. Ask it the questions. Listen to it like a five-year-old. It is a five-year-old. It's not an adult. You know, that part of the mind is not... There's not it's not even a ten-year-old. It's a, it's a five-year-old. Listen to it as you would listen to a five-year-old with a five-year-old's fears and a five-year-old's concerns. Don't dismiss it like you would a five-year-old. You wouldn't dismiss a five-year-old. And once you listen to your mind, genuinely listen with a sense of concern, that emptiness goes. I don't feel empty anymore because I'm whole. The part of my mind that suffered, gave me suffering, I now listen to. I acknowledge. I take on board. So I'm going to leave it at that because we're 41 minutes in. And I don't know what I'm going to talk about next week, so I'm going to leave it open. If I find something next week that interests me, that has a, it's relative to the mind and how my mind works anyway, I'm going to talk about that. So thanks for listening. If you've got this far, thanks very much. And I'll chat to you next week.